0: Amen. Amen. I've been in Revival this week starting Wednesday night and went last night in Texas. Mark Trammell Quartet has been there the whole time with me and we've had a great time and last night the wisnet came and the, we had the wizards and the trammels and I preached a little bit and we had church last night and it's just been a great week. I left there today driving up in a rental car. I've never driven through such rain in my life. I would whip either one of my boys if they drove in rain like I drove through. Every time one of those 18-wheelers came by and it pouring down rain, I repented of stuff I hadn't even done. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it just scared the whaling out of me. But anyway, I'm here, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. I love coming here. This is a sweet Sweet place. Thank you, Brother Charles, for inviting me to come. And uh, back there in the back, I, I've never had anything to sell here, but I. this is a little devotion, book. we've been doing it for 15 years. Brother Johnny Hunt was the general editor for 14 of those years, and he retired from this, and now O.S. Hawkins is the general editor. I've been a part of it since the very first issue that came out. There are, over 50, there are 50 preachers who have a week of daily devotionals in here. They're not dated. You don't have to start on January the 1st. You can start when you want to, skip a day when you want to. But it's just a little tool to help you have some time with the Lord every day. And so they're back there. I sent several boxes to Huntsville, and they bought a whole lot more than they've ever bought before. So I've only got 30, Well, 36. This one is yours, Brother Charles. I've only got 37 back there, 36 back there, and when they're gone, they're gone. So they're $20 a piece because that's leather and all that nice stuff. And it's hard to find red cows, to be honest with you. (laughs) But anyway, this will be my last time to contribute to it after 15 years. I told them that I'm just too old to haul those boxes of books around. Well, anyway, my heart's uh, full of uh, the Lord Jesus tonight and full of joy, but I have, have been sad this week. Uh, this past Wednesday morning, one of my very best friends in this world, he and I have preached in Bible conferences all across America. He was my mentor as an evangelist. Brother Junior Hill went home to be with the Lord this past Wednesday morning. He was 87. He had not been able to preach in a couple of years. His mind had pretty well uh, left him and his body had failed him. He was in a wheelchair. And they had asked me if I would be a, his funeral is tomorrow at 1 o'clock in Decatur, Alabama. And uh, His wife, Carol, asked me if I would be a pallbearer, and I would have loved to do it. And I said, well, Carol, I'm going to be in Texas, and I don't think I can get there and back in time for the service. And she said, well, Junior would rather you be out preaching than be hauling him around anyway. So, uh, but you pray for that family. I think Brother Junior Hill was the greatest evangelist we ever had. He truly was the dean of Southern Baptist evangelists. Well, take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm glad I get to go first. Uh, When I have to go second in a conference, I... uh, uh, I changed my sermon about 14 times. And, and I don't have to do that when I go first. And I always like to go first when I'm with Brother Herb. I love this guy. Uh, he and I are a good pair, especially if I get to go first. Because I can I can get up and kind of love on the folks. And he can get up and knock a whaling out of you. <laughs> but I sure do love him. John chapter 20, verse... 19, if you have found it, say amen. Amen. Then the same day at evening, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. The same day at evening, uh, Jesus was crucified on a Friday morning. He was in the tomb all of Friday night. He was in the tomb all day Saturday. He was in the tomb all of Saturday night. And in the, but in the wee hours of the morning on that Sunday, that first Easter morning... Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He really is alive. He's not the one who was alive and is now dead. He's the one who was dead and is alive forevermore. We serve a living Savior. Jesus is alive. That Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and hell and death and the grave forever you know i would have i would have expected the disciples on that morning to have just been so exhilarated by what had taken place that they would have planned a huge party for that sunday night I mean, you know how Baptists are. We love fun, food, and fellowship. And so it's not hard to get folks together to to celebrate and enjoy the things of God and eat good food. So I would have imagined that the disciples would have planned a great banquet. I think they would have probably rented the largest banquet hall in Jerusalem. And they would have hired the finest orchestra in the land. And they would have prepared the finest of food being prepared by the greatest chefs and they would have invited everybody come tonight come tonight we're going to eat and be merry and celebrate the resurrection of the son of God Now, that's just the way I would have figured it would have gone down but it wasn't like that at all not at all this Same day at evening. Resurrection day at evening. There is no party. There is no singing. There is no dancing. There is no eating. uh, There's ten men. Just ten. Judas has already killed himself. Thomas is not there. We're not told. But a lot of people don't go to church on Sunday night. So who cares? (laughs) But there were ten of them. Just 10. And they were not in a big banquet hall. They were huddled behind locked doors in a darkened room, hardly speaking a word, barely breathing, terrified that they might be found on that first Easter. Night, ten men in terror behind a locked door making no sound. And all I have to tell you, I believe that is the most unexpected thing I have ever found in the Word of God. It just doesn't seem like it ought to have been that way. But that's the way it was. And into that room, Jesus appeared. Now listen, no lock was unlocked. No door was opened. No hinge was creaking. He just appeared in the room. And he spoke to them. And then the Bible says, and he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Now, these were men of the Spirit already. They already knew the Holy Spirit, but he breathed on them. I really don't like people breathing on me. (laughs) There's just something a little bit distasteful about that. When I'm on an airplane and I'm on them a lot, I kind of, you know, sit like this or I sit like this. I don't like people breathing on me. It's just a little bit disgusting. (laughs) Especially if they've been eating onions or garlic. I don't like people breathing. But you know when Jesus does it, There's not anything distasteful or disgusting about it. He breathed on them. I want to share with you from these verses some times in life when we need a fresh breath of Jesus on our life. Number one, if you have lost the sense of God's presence, You need a fresh breath of Jesus on your life. The Bible says these disciples were assembled in that room. For the last three and a half years, they had never been out of the presence of Jesus. Every step Jesus had taken, they had taken the same step with him, Every time he sat down to eat, they sat down beside him to eat. Every time he laid down to go to sleep, they lay down and slept beside him. They had seen him perform every miracle he ever performed during his earthly ministry. They had heard him preach every sermon he ever preached. They had not been out of his presence but on that night until he appeared in the room. They had lost the sense of his presence. Now listen, I know the Bible says, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that's absolutely true. But sometimes things can happen that we lose the sense of his presence. It happened to David. It happened to David because of sin. One day David was walking around on the roof of his palace and he looked over into a neighbor's yard and he, he saw a woman taking a bath. And instead of turning away in embarrassment and, and looking away, he, he focused his gaze upon her body and lust was conceived in his heart. And, and he came to the conclusion, I have got to have her. Now the problem was he was already married and so was she. As a matter of fact, her husband was a captain in his own army out defending his honor at that very moment. But he's the king, he can do what he wants to do. And so he arranges to have her secretly brought into the palace and they have an affair. And out of that affair, she becomes pregnant with his baby. But he doesn't want anybody to know that he's been unfaithful as a husband. He doesn't want anybody to know that he's now committed adultery. He doesn't want anybody to know he's fathered a child out of wedlock. And so he sends for her husband who's out on the battlefield. And brings him home. His name is Uriah. David says, Uriah, I know it's been hard out there. I know you've been fighting. I know it's been tough. I want you to go home. I want you to take a bath. I want you to rest yourself. And then I want you to pleasure yourself with your wife. And the idea was if Uriah did that, then everything would be okay. Everybody would think the baby was Uriah's. And but Uriah had more character at this point in his life than David had. And Uriah said, I can't do it. How can I go back to the battlefield and face those soldiers that I've been fighting beside and some of them dying right beside me? How can I go back and face them if I've been home pleasuring myself with my I can't do it. I can't do it. And so David sends Uriah back to the battlefield with some sealed orders. Don't look at this, Uriah, this is a secret for the commander out there. You take him to the commander, and he does that, and the commander opens those sealed orders, and they're these. At a certain point in the battle, you sound the alarm, and tell all the men, when they hear the sound of the alarm, to retreat, to back up. But don't tell Uriah, leave him out there by himself. And that's what they did. At a certain time in the battle, the alarm was sounded. Uriah knew nothing about it. All the other soldiers retreated. Uriah is out there by himself and immediately he's killed by the enemy. It's nothing less on David's part than premeditated murder. And so now here is David, a man after God's own heart who's an adulterer and a murderer. And David lost the sense of God's presence. That's why you find in Psalm 51, that great psalm of repentance, he says, oh God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away from your presence. You see, he had lost the sense of God's presence. It happened to Job because of the difficulties of life. Job, the Bible says, was the greatest of all the men in the east. That means he was the richest. He would be like the Bill Gates of our day. Job had everything. The Bible tells us that God summoned all of the spirit world to come before his presence. That would mean all of the angels and all of the cherubs. And it would also mean all of the demons that had been kicked out of heaven. And even the devil himself. When God speaks, the devil has to obey. And so they all come back into heaven, and the devil, as he always does, he begins to slander God's people. And God heard him, and God said, Have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect, he's upright, he escheweth evil, and he fears me. And the devil says, now, God, don't you know the only reason Job cares anything about you is because of all the stuff you've let him have. Why, he's rich. You've given him all this stuff. If you let me take his stuff away, Job will curse you. God said, all right, you can take his stuff, but you can't touch him. You can take his stuff. And the devil does. And he doesn't do it over a period of time. He does it in one day. Job gets up one morning, he goes outside, the sun is shining, God is in his heaven, all is well. And here comes a runner, as fast as he can, and breathless upon arrival, Job, Job, I've got bad news. Just a few minutes ago, the Sabaeans came down and swept in all of those acres where you keep all of your oxen and all of your donkeys, and they've stolen all of them away and killed all of your servants that were tending to the oxen and the donkeys. And the Bible said, and while he was yet speaking, here comes a second runner, and he gets there and he said, Job, I've got terrible news. Out there in all of those lands that you own, where you kept all of those thousands of your sheep, a massive ball of fire fell out of the sky. Never seen anything like it. And it burned to a crisp all of those sheep and all of the shepherds. They're all dead. And the Bible said, as he was yet speaking, here came a third runner. And he said, Job, Job, I have terrible news. The Chaldeans swept down upon us, and they have stolen away all of your camels. And all of the men who are the camel herders, they killed them. They put them to death. And the Bible said, and while he was yet speaking, here comes a fourth runner. And he says, Job, I have bad news. Just a few minutes ago, your ten children, your seven sons and three daughters, they were, they were all in a house and, and they were enjoying being together as brothers and sisters. They were eating together. And out of nowhere came this massive wind and blew the house right down on top of them. And they're all dead. I've just left them. I've come to tell you. And folks, that all happened at one time. The devil said, you let me take his stuff and he'll curse you. And the Bible says after the devil took all of his stuff and Job worshipped God. God called all those spirit beings to come back before him a second time. And once again, the devil begins his slandering of the people of God. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect. He's upright. He escheweth evil and he fears me. And the devil says, now, Lord, don't you know the only reason Job cares anything about you is because of the good health you've let him have all of his life. He's never been sick, never had a cold, never had the flu. He's always had perfect health. You let me take his health away and Job will turn on you. God said, all right, go ahead. And the devil afflicted Job with a horrible, horrible disease. A form of leprosy known as elephantiasis. And his body becomes hideously twisted and bent and distorted and unrecognizable. And there's a horrible itch that is associated with that disease. And Job sits out at the garbage dump picking up pieces of broken pottery and just tries to scratch himself with that broken pottery to get a little relief. The devil took his health away, but Job did not turn on God. But when you go down to Job 23, Job is, Job is wondering. You ever wonder, why me? Job did that. And in, in Job 23, this is what you find. Job says, God, where are you? He said, I go forward, you're not there. I go backward, you're not there. I turn to the right, and you're not there. I turn to the left, and you're not there. God, where are you? Do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not know what I have experienced? Where are you? You see, Job lost the sense of God's presence because life had become so hard. You may be going through that right now in your life. You may be walking through the deepest valley you've ever gone through, walking through the darkest storm you've ever known, and you may be wondering, God, where are you? You've lost the sense of His presence. And what you need is simply this. A fresh breath of Jesus on your life. Number two, if you have been become gripped by a spirit of fear, you need a breath of Jesus on your life. The Bible says the disciples were assembled there for fear of the Jews. Now we don't have to be afraid of the Jews unless you're a Hamas person. You better be afraid. Uh But we in America, we don't have to be afraid of the Jews. They're our friends. They're our allies. We don't have to be afraid of them. But fear is fear. Some folks go to the doctor and they get the word that Susan's mother got. And they don't respond like her mother did. I've known Ms. Dry a long, long time. I knew Susan when she was a little girl. I preached revivals for her daddy up there in North Carolina. But some people, they hear that C word, that word cancer, and then they they just grip by a spirit of fear. They're terrified. Some people are still terrified by COVID. There are people who haven't come out of their house in three years. Fear. I tell you, to live life in fear is a horrible way to live. And if you've been grew up by a spirit of fear, you don't need to go down to the gym and learn jujitsu. You don't need a course in karate. You just need a fresh breath of Jesus on your life. Number three, if you are no longer experiencing the peace of God. You need a fresh breath of Jesus. Jesus, this is the only time, the only thing he mentioned in that room two times. He said it in verse 19. He said it again in verse 21. Peace be unto you. Do you know why he said that? Because that was the biggest thing they were not experiencing. They were not experiencing his peace. They were so nervous and anxiety-filled, not knowing what's going to happen. Uh, I've been preaching for 60 years. I'm 76 years old. I started when I was 16. And for 60 years I've been going around trying to get Baptists a little bit excited about Jesus. (laughs) But I've never seen a day when so many of God's people are so tense and so nervous and so full of anxiety. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if this guy gets elected or if this person gets what's going to happen? Hey folks this world is not our home. We're just passing through. I mean we're strangers here. We're pilgrims. We're aliens. We're on our way home. Amen. But if you have lost the peace that passes all understanding You eat your fingernails down to the nub, you take Valium, you take his you know. Listen, you don't need a psychiatrist, you need a fresh breath of Jesus (sighs) on your life. And then number four, if you've lost your joy. The Bible says Jesus showed unto them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad because they had lost their joy. Not going to have much joy when you're afraid and you don't have any peace. Joy. God wants his people to be joyful. We're not to be people that go around always downtrodden, wondering about, oh, how sad things are. Hey, 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 that's not the way God wants us to live. Did you ever go to vacation Bible school? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a pack. <laughs> joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Have you lost your joy? If you stood where I stand Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in Baptist church after Baptist church after Baptist church, you think most of them have been weaned on dill pickle juice. I used to love to preach in Mississippi. When I was a younger preacher, I would preach revivals in Mississippi a lot and still do. But back there when I was a young preacher, almost every time you preached a revival in a Mississippi church, and it could be a little bitty church, it could be a mid-sized church, it could be a great big old church, somebody would shout. Now, they weren't shouting because they were putting on a show. They weren't shouting because they wanted to draw attention to themselves. I mean, they were shouting. They just got so full of Jesus, they had to shout or explode. Baptists have lost their shout. Paid a price for it, but we've lost our shout. Where's your joy? Hey, joy won't. If you, if, don't think you can go home and watch the comedy channel on TV and get your joy back. That depressed the devil. <laughs> joy doesn't come in a bottle. Joy doesn't come in a pill. Joy doesn't come in an injection. Joy comes when Jesus <sighs> breathes on you. And then finally, and I'll be through. Little boy said, Daddy, won't you ever get through? He said, Son, he's been through. He just won't quit. But I'm fixing to quit. <laughs> if you have lost your passion for serving Jesus, you need a fresh breath. He said, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. As God commissioned His Son, the Son has commissioned us to go out and serve Him. That's what Christianity is it is people who are full of the grace of God, going out and dispensing the grace of God to others. And you don't ever exhaust the supply. The more grace you dispense, the more God puts in. A lot of Baptists are just full of stale grace. It's been coming in, but it had not been getting out. Well, Brother Bob, I used to work in the nursery. I used to sing in the choir. I used to be an usher. I used to teach Sunday school. I I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to. Why did you quit? Listen. If you've lost your passion for serving God, we we don't need a study course. Listen, we Southern Baptists have had enough study courses to dam up the Mississippi River. (laughs) If you've lost your passion for serving the Lord, you just need a fresh breath. Jesus breathed on them and the Holy Spirit touched them afresh. I want you to bow your heads. Brother Herb may or may not, we've not talked about it, he may give a public invitation. I'm not going to do one right now. But right there where you are, right there where you are, no music, no singing, nothing. I've shared with you at least five reasons when you might need a fresh breath of Jesus. If any one or all of these are a part of your life right now, right there where you are, why don't you just ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, breathe on me. Breathe on me right now. Breathe on me. I've lost a sense of your presence. I'm afraid. I don't experience your peace anymore. I've lost my joy. I've, I've, I've gotten dull and I've lost my passion for service. Jesus, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Ask him. Jesus, breathe on me. Spirit of God, touch me afresh. And if you've done that, I believe he has too. Amen.